Oh wait, hold on. I gotta get the phone. You mother Sorry, it's at 4%. I hate you so much. I'm sorry, it's at 4%. Leave this in. Leave, leave this in. Yeah, I hate you so much. Leave this in. This is what happens, like, every day in Brian Nolan's world. I just want everyone to know, this is like a... Leave it in. I want I want listeners to start like hearing like like <laughs> Massey's voice, and then they just hear Brian go, "Oh, f oh, f oh." F <laughs> okay, we're all good, guys. We're all good. I hate you so much, Nolan. <laughs> Carry on. Carry on. All right. Are we ready, you highness? Um, should I get us another snack? No, I'm, I think I'm okay. We're okay now. We're ready. We're all good now. I'm snowboarding tonight. I'll probably hook Danny right. I'm gonna miss seven races. Oh, but come on. I'm chasing. I will win. The playoffs I'll get in. And Mickey Mouse another championship. Oh, no, I didn't get it done. Fans may cry. I failed to score a win. And now... I didn't make the playoffs, so fans ain't gonna watch these 10 races, oh. Fans may love me, but still number nine, bye, bye, bye. Don't really wanna finish the season, what's the point when I ain't got no reason? Might sound lazy, but if there ain't no nine, bye, bye, bye. I didn't make the playoffs, so these 10 races, oh. The ratings will go low. I don't want to finish the season, but I've got no reason. Oh, my baby. Fans ain't gonna watch these 10 races, oh. Fans may love me, but still number nine. Bye, bye, bye. Don't really want to finish the season. What's the point when I ain't got no reason? Might sound lazy, but if there ain't no nine, bye-bye-bye. Bye-bye-bye indeed to Chase Elliott playoff hopes. Hello, everyone. That was our Justin Timberlake of our group, Mr. Michael Massey, with bye-bye-bye to Chase Elliott's playoff hopes. My name is Trey Lyle. I am the host of the Happy Hour podcast. Joining me as he does each week is Dalton Hopkins at Pit Lane LT. He was there in Daytona seeing Chase Elliott's playoff hoops go up in smoke. Uh, Dalton, how was Daytona? How are you doing? It was dry. It was it was dry. There was no rain. Can you can that you might believe be the it? biggest thing that happened all weekend? I think that is the unsung story uh, that nobody's talking about. It, it didn't rain at all. Which is fantastic. Um, like I, I'm honestly stunned because like this entire time, like these entire last two, three weeks or so, I've just been saying it's gonna rain. It's gonna rain. Just be prepared. It's gonna rain. Um, it didn't do that, and we had a a hot one hot night um, at Daytona. The racing was pretty good. Um, I thought the ending, like that last restart, was maybe a little lackluster, but maybe that's for the better. Still a solid race, though. I thought. Um, 
And yeah, I think, and Trey, I got to give you props. Um, Chase Selly and Alex Bowman did not make the playoffs. The, the prediction came true. We got a lot of talk about here. Yeah, I went back and looked, and I called that post-Chicago. And I, if you go follow me on Twitter, at Trey Lyle VT, I, I, pay, I you know, played the little soundbite where I said I had a gut feeling Chase Elliott wasn't going to make the playoffs. So just shows uh, maybe they can call me Mystic Mac because I predict these things. Uh, joining us this week, replacing Justin Timberlake, uh, we'll call him the Lance Bass of our NC group, but he's actually the boss. So it's whoever founded NSYNC. I don't know who that is. Uh, Tom Bowles, uh, front stretch editor in chief, uh, boss man. It back to back weeks for you. Um, you know, it feels like you're you're handling us in the minors right now. You know, you're coming down to our level for two weeks. How how does that feel? I almost feel like a semi regular. You know, all I need to do is fire you, and then next week I could be hosting the show. You could do that. I mean, you could get rid of the guy who's, I guess, our guest this week too. I mean. And, and you could fill in for bringing the heat as well. Uh, I call him, you know what? We'll call him the Joey Fatone of our NC group. It, you know, maybe, you know what? I actually, I, I got a better one. Uh, since no one knows who this is, he's the, he's the JC Chases or, or, or the Chris Kirkpatrick. Those are the two people from NSYNC. No one knows. Uh, Brian Nolan at the Brian Nolan on Twitter. Uh, I kid, bud. you're, you're great. Look at that smile. Uh, it, how, how are you doing? I, 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 you rarely get to be at happy hour because uh, you have your own podcast. Uh, but uh, excited to have you on. Hey there, Buttercup. I'm doing. I'm doing fantastic. Um, it is. It is absolutely splendid that we are all joined together by the presence of yours truly uh, to talk some fellowship in the comfort of NASCAR. Um, it, it is. It's always great to be on. I'm here with my stud muffin and Dalton and, and the boss man, Mr. Tom Bowles. Or as uh, the co-host on Bringing the Heat this upcoming week, Danny Peters would call him Mr. Tumbles. Tumbles. He does call me Tumbles. It's pretty crazy. I just want to say, Dalton, it's only fair that it didn't rain at Daytona for the first time in, what, like 15 years? Because I don't want to make something too off taste because who knows what this hurricane is going to do. But you might, like, die in, like, a couple days. So it was only fair <laughs> they gave you, like, a rain-free I... race at the end, you know? Like, it was, like, last rites. I really yeah, hope uh, he does not die this upcoming week because you are going to feel so super, super bad if he does, Tom. I know, I'm, I know. I the, it is, it is a joke. It is a joke. We all hope the hurricanes not as bad as feared, but you know, it does not look good for Daytona right now. It looks like it's like Adalia has a little has a little beef with your with your racetrack. Yeah, Tom. The army, the army doesn't let me die. They're, I'm not allowed to die yet, so I have to somehow like I somehow have to somehow get through the storm. Thankfully. The predictions right now show that they're going to go over Jacksonville. So, you know, I'm going to pray for those guys up north, our northern brethren in the land of Jacksonville. But, uh, yeah, uh, I, my prayers were answered, although I think I probably wish – I wish we just had a little bit of rain. I'd rather take a rain at a NASCAR race than, than a Category 3 hurricane coming over us. So, But, uh, yeah, no, good thing, right? Uh, it's like the first <laughs> time in forever that – we actually got a race in and there wasn't any rain. So that's, that's pretty amazing. Honestly, it's pretty fantastic. Well, should we, should we, should we have some fun? Let's dive right into it. Uh, as always, make sure you sit back, relax, crack open that cold one, unless you're driving, of course, because please drive responsibly and sit back and enjoy three smart people and Brian Nolan talk NASCAR. 
let's dive right into it. And speaking of Brian Nolan, he gets to go first. And Brian, the floor is yours talking all things NASCAR. Or at talking all things, I guess you want to talk, Chase Elliott. Un uncalled for. Once again, absolutely uncalled for. Um, but we we entered the weekend with um uh, the BFFs of of everybody in NASCAR land apparently and, and Chase Elliott wanting um that most popular driver to be into the 16 car field and well, there was one way that he had to uh there's one way of he had to get in and that was by winning and he came oh so close unfortunately he did not win that win um went to Mr. Christopher Busher third win in five race we'll get to that a little bit later but um Chase Elliott after getting suspended a race and then missing five races uh in a snowboarding accident will not make the drivers points standings he does make the owners point standings gets in that last one over above walls but he does not make the driver one so is this good for nascar is is the most popular driver not make the playoffs good for nascar because it feels like trey i know you're a yankee fan and most likely the yankees aren't going to make the playoffs in baseball kind of feels like something like that is chase elliott missing the, the playoffs bad for nascar as a whole yeah i don't yeah, I, I don't think the question. I'm sorry, Trey. I, I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, I, I don't think I don't think the question is whether or not is it bad for NASCAR. I think the question is how bad is it for NASCAR? Um, because there's really no there's no question about it. Like the, the ratings are probably going to go down a little bit. Um, aside from the fact that yes, Chase is going to hunt for an owner's championship. Thank. Thank goodness for NASCAR because at least there'll be some fans that tune into that. But because he's not going to race for a driver's championship, it's going to go down. I mean, whenever Dale Jr. wasn't in the playoffs, ratings went down. And that happened a couple times. So I think the pattern shows that, you know, fans are going to be willing to chase Elliott. When he wasn't in the races, fans didn't tune in. I mean, there was a pattern there. And now that he's not going to race for a championship, I think the ratings could go down a little bit which is going to hurt NASCAR because this is a very pivotal year. I know they're still negotiating a TV contract for 2025. So this is uh, this is going to be a playoff uh, for ratings-wise. It's going to be one to forget, unfortunately. Uh, that doesn't mean it's not going to be exciting. There's still plenty to talk about and plenty of storylines. But for Chase Elliott fans, uh, it's very unfortunate that you know his driver is not going to make it in. It's unfortunate for NASCAR because – they're not going to have that. That was a ten percent, twenty percent fan base of of race fans that root for Chase Elliott. I agree that it's really, really bad whenever your most popular guy is not in the playoffs, right? But I think that, well, it's bad in the short term. In the long term, I think it's good, and two reasons for for that. Number one, we talked about Chase last week. He needs a reset in the worst way. And I think you don't get a reset if you sneak in with a regular season crapshoot win and then are expected to challenge for a championship. I don't think they would go very far. I think it would hurt his confidence even more. Now you can clear the slate and say, look, let's just try things over the last 10 races. If Hendrick's going to make a crew chief change for the end of the year, maybe they do that and, and see what happens. I think that it's an opportunity for Chase to really look inside himself and turn around and go, okay, for once the focus is not on me. What's going on with me mentally? How can I turn this thing around and be better in 2024? Because I got two teammates that are going to challenge for the championship. So it's not the equipment. So I think that's really, really good for Chase. And I also think that if you look at the playoffs as a whole, there are other people that really could have 
you know, a little bit of a coming out party this year. Like William Byron, I, I hear more and more people over the last like couple of months, they used to not really care and think William Byron was a cardboard cutout go, man, I really kind of like that guy now. I'm really starting to understand he has a personality. And if he challenges for the championship, he could get some more fans on board. It's the last year for Kevin Harvick. If Kevin Harvick makes a run, he might bring a little bit more fans into watching the championship that might not otherwise have watched it. And Bubba Wallace, who we'll talk about a little later, you know, he's got an opportunity. If he goes deep, he's one of the more popular drivers that if he goes on a run, I think will will gauge, you know, increased popularity. So I, I think it's not the worst thing in the world. I, I don't think it's going to be like the days of Dale Jr. missing, but it's certainly not good. I, I think if the ratings are flat, I think that's a big win considering Chase is not in it and with the year that we've had. So I'm not going to look at it from the rating side. That is a good point in terms of like why it's a bad thing for NASCAR. But I think it's a good thing for NASCAR because of the fact of simply put, he missed seven races and wasn't able to point his way in and he didn't win a race. So you weren't good enough. And to think like from a, it, it, it kind of, the, the idea behind this car is parody and close racing at parody between like bringing those middle tier teams that actually want to compete your front row your jtg i would say 2311 to some degree even rfk to some degree like those teams getting those a better shot at going after the big guys who can outspin them and the fact that he missed that many races one of which was intentional on him like the snowboarding thing it's a freak accident like if if that's your outlet go do your outlet like i but he int- he intentionally wrecked Denny Hamlet. So that seventh race he missed, which ultimately might have been the difference, was you know his doing. So I think the fact that he didn't point his way in is a big shout on this car and its goal, which is parity amongst the cars, especially the middle tier teams, which was ultimately you know a middle tier team in twenty three eleven, and the twenty three kind of got the spot that was reserved for Chase Elliott. And to a second degree, you could look at, um, I guess Kevin Harvick would have been at, like the battle between Kevin Harvick and, you know, Alex Bowman, I guess if Alex Bowman could have, you know, if, if some butts, whatever that phrase goes. But I think from like this competition point of view, so, you know, Brian brought up my, the Yankees who suck. I do not want the Yankees to make the playoffs because they suck and they have a GM that is incapable of building a winning a World Series winning team. So they don't deserve to be in the playoffs. Well, Chase Elliott made mistakes and had things work against him that he did not deserve to make the playoffs. And in this era of parity and competition being a focal point and winning being a focal point, well, one, you didn't accomplish to win, and the competition should be better enough where you don't have a seven-race deficit, a seven-race deficit, and make that up. It shouldn't happen in this next in car. It's just not the purpose of it. I mean, it felt like when he was doing his interview, he felt like, or it looked like he was relieved. I mean, he's got all the spotlight on him all for the wrong reasons. It feels like this year, whether it's the accident and then he gets suspended and then it's every single week. Well, do you think you can point your way in? Do you think you can point your way in? And then it's, you think you can win this weekend? And then he was so close at Indy, and everybody's thinking, oh, okay, he's going to win at Watkins Glen. Then he doesn't win at Watkins Glen. And then he's like, oh, okay, it's a must win at Daytona. And it feels like he's just relieved. And um, he was talking about the owner's points, and that's a huge thing. I mean, that's how people, that's how the owners get their money is with the owner's points. And so, I mean, 
he's going to try and get as many points as he can. And um, he's going to try to get the final four for the owner's side in Phoenix. And um, we'll see what happens. But I think it's just more relief than anything else is what I saw. So, I mean, I, I know I know, I kind of like just said it was a bad thing and everything. But I do like Trey's point because he made a really good one. Um, mm. I mean, people, even though he won the 2020 championship, and I, I I don't really see how it wasn't legitimate. I think he legitimately won that championship. People call him a Mickey Mouse champion. For that, it was in our I intro mean, song. What? It was in our intro song. Yeah, exactly. Michael Massey calls him a Mickey Mouse champion. So go ahead and you know Chase LA fans hate him. Go ahead. Um, M, M underscore Massey twenty two on Twitter. So huh. anyway, um, tweet him. Tweet him. <laughs> I want negative tweets directed towards him. Please uh, go ahead. Yeah, um, all the hate towards him. No, don't actually. He's a great guy. Um, but you know, imagine if he actually did make the playoffs and then he won this championship. I mean, people. It's already debated whether Kyle Busch actually deserved the 2015 championship after he came back and and you know and won that one after he came back and after missing what was it like 13 races or something, at the beginning of the year. Personally, I argue that he totally did because what he had to do was really difficult. And he still did it. But my point being, you know, a lot of people would have contested whether or not it was legitimate. Um, so in a way, it is kind of it does it is kind of a saving grace. That doesn't mean that, you know, he wouldn't have loved to go for a championship, of course. And that leads me to my next point. What Brian said, I saw I was on pit road. I was the one who got the video. I mean, I, I saw him personally and it was it was a, there was a difference. Like there was a noticeable difference from before the race. If you, in the media center when he was talking, I mean, he was just, yeah, we just got to run really good this 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 week. Yeah, we just got to run really good this weekend, and hopefully our teammates work with us. And Chevrolet number nine, uh, Chevrolet is really fast this weekend. And then afterwards, you know, like it was like, yeah, you know, we did the best we could, and we just couldn't get it. Like that's that's almost like the sun of relief. Like as if like I know he says that there wasn't really pressure, and he just doesn't think about it. But there is, there's got to be a little bit, right? And some of that weight, it feels like it's probably lifted a little bit off of his shoulders. And now all he has to worry about is the regular season championship. And I even asked him and I, I remember, I, and it's not in the video, but I asked him like, Hey, like, is there like, is there like a silver lining here? We're like, you know, you don't have now the pressure's off and he goes, well, you know, we're still going for a driver's championship. I said, well, I personally, like as a driver, is there, is there weight lifted off? And he goes, well, I'm the driver of the car. Right. So I still have to go for it. But there is a noticeable difference. I mean, in his tone, in his in his in his man aneurysm, or mannerisms, yeah, yeah, aneurysms, in his mannerisms, <laughs> uh, in his idiosyncrasies, there is a difference. He does seem a little bit more relieved, and I think now he and a lot of other drivers are gonna can take these ten races and just focus on racing, doing what they love to do, which is racing, and they don't have to worry about points and champion stages and, and all these things that come with a playoff earth. He doesn't want you there, Dalton. I, I don't mean nobody does. You know, just your mind. He doesn't want to he doesn't yep. want to hear from reporters right now. He wants to be anonymous almost. I don't even think he wants to be at the racetrack. You know what, yep. Nolan, what does Aaron Rodgers do? Like your new favorite person like in the offseason, doesn't he go to the cabin and what do you do yep. this offseason to, to figure out what do you want to do with his future? The darkness he, retreat. And then he goes on plenty of vacations, got a vacation home in California, and then he goes over uh, to Europe and, and, and explores. He does everything but um, focus. The darkness retreat. I truly want... believe Chase needs that. 
I, I, I'm telling you, Trey, we talked a little bit about this last week. What about week. some uh, ayahuasca? Is that what it's called? Ayahuasca. Does, ayahuasca. <laughs> Just starts and, tripping. Oh, my God. All right. Well, whatever. You know, what, what, what happens in the darkness retreat stays in the darkness retreat. But yeah. he needs to turn around. And in all seriousness, I don't think he's been right for a good year, year and a half. And whether there's a crew chief change that goes on, whether there's a sports psychologist that comes in there, he needs to be rejuvenated in some way. And I don't think you do that with the cameras and the pressure on. I think you do that with the cameras and the pressure away. And while I think there's going to need to be some work done away from the racetrack, this is a start because next 10 races, he can't really be the story unless there's this miracle run for the owner's championship that I don't think is going to happen. I think he'll probably be out in the first round. And I don't think people will really be focused on it because to Trey's point, like nobody even talked about the owner's championship last year, very, very little. And Chase Elliott, if he wasn't in it, people wouldn't be talking about the owner's championship. Yeah. Dalton. So you have one goal now at Darlington. You just need to go up to Chase Elliott and be like, Hey, we, we thought the perfect idea for you. Darkness <laughs> have you ever heard? What, what was it? Dark. What was it? Darkness. What was it? It's just the called dark- the Darkness Retreat. That Aaron the Darkness Rogers Retreat. Did. Have you ever heard of the four- Darkness Retreat? You spend four say, days. You know Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> and I will. I will open up. And, I will open up a whole new world to him. And then what you say is, how about? And, and then, like he did on the Pat Maggie show, we'll have Chase Elliott on here talking about the Darkness Retreat. Nice. <laughs> I'm thinking of great things. But the thing is, it's also like, remember what happened last year. We didn't get to hear from any of the non-playoff drivers till the last week of the season. We may not get to hear Chase for nine consecutive weeks after uh, until Phoenix. So I mean, I maybe, bet you, yeah, maybe we'll give him press opportunities. If he does, I'll be shocked. We'll see, but I, I, I think at the end of the day, again, hopefully the ratings stay flat, and if this causes Chase to rejuvenate and be in the next five playoffs and go deep in those playoffs. In NASCAR capitalizes on his popularity, I think this miss is worth it because to everybody's point, seven races missed. They were off all year. What was he really going to do if he made it in, right? I, I didn't really see them going on a run, and they got two cars way ahead of them within their own organization. So just wasn't his year. You know, we've seen this happen before, and we'll see what happens now the next 10 races, and hopefully they get a head start on the next year. Well, let's uh, stick with the playoff drivers. Uh Guy who actually made the last spot in the playoffs. Uh, you wanted Tom. You wanted to talk about Bubba Wallace making the playoffs for the first time in his career. Oh, it's me. It's the top yes. right square that goes next. Great. Yes. Um, what, your name's Tom, right? Yes, Bowles. Sometimes they call me other names. Probably behind my back. Um, I've called you Todd Bowles before. So yes, that's right. I also moonlight as an NFL coach. So. Let's talk Bubba Wallace. Makes it in probably one of the most stressful month, month and a half of his career. You knew that there were going to be additional winners. They had a couple opportunities early in the season to reach victory lane, didn't cash in, comes into Daytona, and Bubba has been trying to get over this hump for six years now. This is his sixth full-time season. And when you look at the extension that he got last year from 23XI, and you look at his career – He only has two wins at this level and a limited number of top five finishes, right? Even, you know, after Daytona, he was 12th. 
Uh, at Daytona, he's got four top fives and six top tens this year, underwhelming compared to teammate Tyler Reddick. So there's always been some buzz around Bubba, not necessarily the same type of Danica Patrick buzz, like he can't do it, but that he's overrated. Now, he finally gets over the hump, makes it in. Huge hug from Michael Jordan. Props from Denny Hamlin. Interested to hear Dalton's take because he was there on pit road. Does this get him over the hump? Does he actually get on a run now with no pressure in the playoffs? And this is a guy that runs on emotion and confidence with the monkey off his back. Can we finally see Bubba string together some wins potentially? Because we know 23XI is the speed. I'll um go first, I guess. Uh yeah, I think I think though it's hard to say six full years. He's been in what playoff ability quit equipment for what half of it, if that, like I think ever since like basically since he's joined 2311, and every year he's been in, you know, consistent race winning equipment is probably the best way to put it. He's won at least one race. You know, he won at Talladega and then he won at Kansas last year, which was major, you know, probably one of the most, you know, impressive wins anyone had last year. I mean, he dominated the last half of the race. I think, and we're going to get to our playoff pick, so I don't want to reveal all of it, but I think the first round sets up really, really well for him. You have Darlington. He finished top five there. And if NASCAR could, you know, score cars right after a wreck, he might have had a shot to win it. If you look at Kansas, he's he's won there. And then you look at, obviously, Bristol. He's done really good there as well. I think the first round sets up really good for him. I would argue he's outperforming his teammate in Tyler Reddick, which is a, a really good thing to do. You know, Reddick was really good at the road courses, but this summer stretch, I'd say Bubba did exactly what he needed to do to get in the spot where he did, and he has performed at the level that he needed. I mean, there's always that one guy that's going to be the last guy in and it's the most pressure and he, he did it. And I'm not shocked by it. I think the guy's improved every year. He's willing to put the work in. I think his most impressive drive of the year was his 12th pace finish at Watkins Glen where he just needed to score. Like he needed a, a decent finish to set him up for Daytona. And he did exactly what he needed to do. People don't talk about Hamlin bailing out when it was three wide. Bubba did it too, and he it allowed him to avoid the big wreck that ultimately set it up where he was going to be the last one in on points unless there was a new winner. So I give Bubba a lot of credit this last month of the year. Um, it, you could tell there was a mindset change when it came to the road course specifically, and I think the playoffs sets up pretty well for him. I mean, I was beyond impressed. I mean, we let's be honest. We know he's not the best road course racer. I mean, he's terrible at him. And for what he did, um, not not just surviving, but actually being kind of decent, if not average, was was very commendable. And then uh, he knew that he had to hope and pray there's no new winners. And um, he stayed out of the big one. He, he credited Freddie Kraft as spotter for uh, not um, uh, getting collected. And you know what? The, all the chips just aligned for him. And um and I, I do feel like he's got a path. Finished fifth at Darlington in the springtime. He's won at Kansas. He's good at Bristol. And then you got in the next round, Texas, he can win at. Uh, Talladega, he can win at. And then the next round, you got Las Vegas, he can win at. Homestead, he can win at. I mean, there's a very formidable path. If if you if he gets hot, he can, ro- he can roll off those uh, top fives, even maybe steal a win or two. You never know what this 23 team could do. The key is always getting into the round of 12, right? And then I, I want to make sure, you know, Dalton has his take, but you get through that. You never know what happens at Talladega. And then all of a sudden you're in the round of eight and 
what happens there. And, you know, Darlington, Kansas, I think really, really good point made by Trey. He could propel himself to the next round just based on those two races alone. And then you just don't know what's going to happen because, you know, that round of 12 is such a roll of the dice with the Roval and Talladega. You just don't know how many people are going to get involved in wrecks or have problems. You know, we've seen so many weird things happen over the years. Yeah, I'm going to – um Tom, back to what you said when you first introduced it. So I'll, I'll offer a, uh, a reporter's perspective here. So um, myself and Nick Tilwalk, who was the other front stretch reporter on the ground at Daytona, uh, we split up. He, I told him to go uh, talk to get quotes from Bubba Wallace. And I myself went to go talk to Chase Elliott. And you heard about that uh, in the previous uh, topic. But once I was done with Chase, talked to Alex Bowman and what happened is this weekend NASCAR had you usually NASCAR has something called a bullpen and they bring the top five drivers over to these, these bike racks uh, on pit road. And that it, that sometimes is seen on NBC. You can see that uh, happen on pit road after a race this weekend. What they did is they had all of the 16 playoff cars. They left them all on pit road with the exception of Chris Buescher, of course, because he won the race. And then they had the two drivers, that made it, uh, that didn't make it, two drivers outside of the playoffs, top two drivers outside of playoffs, so 17th and 18th points. So I talked to Chase Elliott, I talked to Alex Bowman right after that, and I'm looking around, and I start, you know, walking down pit road, trying to see if there's anybody else available for comment, and there's this giant crowd next to that number 23 car. I mean, huge. And this is before Michael Jordan got there. So there's this giant crowd around Bubba Wallace, and in the middle of it is Bubba with cameras and reporters. But, of course, with them is friends and family and crew members. Booty Barker is there. All of these people who came out to support Bubba and basically just tell him and basically congratulate him. And then, of course, as I pass that crowd, because Nick was there talking and quotes from him, I see this giant behemoth of a person walk by me. And that's <laughs> Michael Jordan. Um, you just you just know Michael Jordan. You can spot him from a mile away. But. Michael walks by me and of course, you know, I see it happen. He talks, he walks up to Bubba and he gives like this, you know, congratulates him, the pat on the back and everything. And it just goes to show how much this really means to 2311. This isn't, you know, I think a lot of times you see a driver make it in on points and you think, okay, well, if they made it on points and didn't even win, like, is it, are they uh, great? Good for them. They made the playoffs. Like, woohoo. Great. It's fantastic. But do you really expect them to make it far? Usually the case is no. But I think what you guys are saying is the exact same thing that I agree with. I think Bubba does make it into the round of 12 because I agree. The top, the first three races kind of suit his driving style. He's good at Kansas. He was decent at Darlington earlier this year. And Bristol, I think, is going to be a little bit tough for him. But I think he'll make it through just fine because I think there's other drivers that are going to perform worse than him. I think the round of 12 is going to be difficult. We'll get to that later in our YouTube segment. But that said, I, I like Bubba, the fact that he's in. It's good for him. It's good for the sport. Tom mentioned earlier that he wears his emotions on his sleeve. And you can tell. I tell everybody. Sometimes people ask me who's the funnest guy to interview. I say two guys right off the top of my head. There are other guys, but the two guys off the top of my head are Joey Logano and Bubba Wallace. Those guys are the most fun because they are they just, they always have a smile on their face and they always joke around. They're fun guys to talk to. And Bubba is that kind of guy. And I think this is going to propel him further now. And I'm really interested to see if it's going to improve his performance 
than what it has been for the last six years because his confidence has never been higher. Yeah, we'll see. Well, uh, speaking of Bubba and his playoff predictions, our YouTube part a little later on will be all of our playoff predictions. So we'll see how far each of us has Bubba going in the NASCAR playoffs. We also have Massey since he's not here, uh, but we'll, we'll break that down for you. But moving on to our next topic, it's now going to Mr. Dalton Hopkins. And uh, you were there live seeing it happen. That was the most craziest wreck I've seen on television. You were there uh, you wanted to talk about Ryan Priest's crash. Yeah, sure. Here's a, here's another perspective on the ground. So, um, I'm on pit road. Uh, I'm standing behind, uh, the number 17, uh, pit crew, which, um, I did get video of their celebration actually. And I, I need to post that on Twitter. Um, but I'm standing behind uh, the number 17 pit box, and I'm watching on the jumbotron. Right, it's it's they got this big screen, and myself, Nick is there. Uh, other reporters are there, like um, Peter Strada was out there, uh, Toby Christie was out there, Lee Spencer. They were all out there watching this big jumbotron of pit road because we were all waiting for everybody to come down pit road and, and do the the bullpen that I was just talking about. So it's what was it like six laps to go, five laps to go, something like that. Uh, when this occurred and when he spun, of course the crowd reacted, right? It was, Oh, you know, and then, and he started flipping and he kept flipping and he kept flipping and he kept flipping and kept flipping. And I could not help, but verbally out loud say, stop crashing. Because I kept think I thought of like that, that, that joke. Uh, in Talladega Nights, whereas this is the longest crash we've ever seen. Let's go to a quick commercial break. And then they go to Applebee's commercial, and then they come back, and they're still flipping. I, that, that's what that felt like to me, because he just kept going. And that, to me, I, I mentioned it in Thinking Out Loud this weekend, was I think that's probably the wildest crash I have seen since Rusty Wallace. I, I didn't actually see this, but the last the, the last crash that I can see it can, that's comparable is probably Rusty Wallace, 1993 at Talladega. I don't know about you guys. That's why I'm introducing this. I kind of want to see what your guys' perspective is on how on the severity of this crash is. But first off, super relieved to see that he got out of the car. Super relieved to hear that he got discharged from the hospital. Really interested to see what's going to happen this weekend, if he's going to be in the car or not. But I wanted to hear your guys' perspective on this because that was a bonkers video game crash I have never seen before in my lifetime. I mean, it scared the living shit out of me. Not literally, but... I mean, I audibly gasped. Like I was like, "Oh!" Like I and my wife, she was she was on her phone, sitting right next to me. She's like, "Whoa!" And then she's like, "Hey!" And then she looks and she's like, "Holy crap!" And like, it takes a lot for her to be like, like that. And I was just like, uh, "It's been a long time since I've seen." I mean, probably Elliot Sadler, Talladega, um, and driving that M&M's car. I mean, it was just, it was just. It, it, incredibly incredibly scary and I, I mean massive kudos to nascar safety people um for for making this safer i mean we, he may have some like maybe hopefully he doesn't have concussions but i mean maybe some other damages um we, we don't know yet his status like dalton said is to be determined but I'm, I'm hopeful that he'll be back um whether it's this week or next week or whenever but i mean for him to get out of that car absolutely incredible obviously he was definitely shaken up and got placed on the stretcher but i mean he, he got out under his own power was awake and alert according to the uh the uh, statement that we got from Stuart haas it's just it's just it was incredible and i mean 
it, it, it did kind of feel like on that restart, it was a little bit more tame. And I, I do wonder if it would have been a little bit more crazy and chaotic had that wreck not happened for the final two laps. But I mean, it, that was scary as hell, man. It was very, very scary. 1991 Pepsi 400 Daryl Waltrip, if people want to Google in YouTube, that was the wreck that it reminded me of being a little bit older than you guys. I was, you know, little baby just starting to watch the sport. That was one of the first big wrecks that I ever saw. And, you know, Joe Rutman got into Waltrip on the backstretch, Daytona, same thing, went flipping and it was absolutely crazy. Everyone was shocked that DW walked out under his own power. But the thing that was different about this wreck that I thought was something I've never really seen before is just the air that he got. Oh man, like that replay, I could not believe how high in the air that car got. And that to me was the scariest thing because sometimes when you barrel roll, it sounds crazy, but if you roll the right way, that it's dissipating energy to a certain extent. It doesn't mean it's not dangerous by any means. Do not take it that way. But like sometimes you you can actually like lose some energy through the process. Unlike, you know, say Dale Earnhardt's crash or, you know, the really scary angle that Ryan Blaney took on Saturday night where the car goes in the wall. Oh, man, like those are the wrecks that really hurt you. With that said, that type of air not only kept it going wildly, but that's the type of thing that, again, can really, really hurt you. Like the slam down on the ground. I just, man, I am so happy that he is okay. And, you know, like talk about this now that he's okay. I even was thinking about the irony. Dalton had done an exclusive report that Priest is close to re-signing with Stuart Haas just to come out a couple of hours before. And this is a guy that has been bit by bad luck all year with SHR, was running in the top five at times in this race, and, you know, had a chance at the win and, you know, ends up just one bad touch by Eric Jones. And now he's the most serious wreck of the year. And it's just been that type of year for him. But man, I agree. Scariest wreck in a while. Really, really lucky that he walked away. And we need to take a look at safety. Certainly, you're never, ever going to be 100% on keeping these cars from getting off the ground. We need to figure out why that happened with this next gen. And we need to find a way to mitigate that even further. So those times are as few and as far between as possible. Yeah. I think it's a really good point, Tom. And, you know, safety's come a long way. And I think they already said they're taking this car to the R&D center to test it. Uh, Obviously, he was involved in the other big wreck, scary wreck, which was him and Larson at Talladega, where he, you know, it was the opposite side, but he violently hit, you know, Larson's car. I I think, you know, this this wreck goes with the the wreck, and it's uh, two different types of scary that we saw at the Indy 500, where a tire went... Luckily, it missed the crowd, but went in and eventually hit a car, but, like, went into the stands. Like, those two are the two scariest wrecks for different reasons all year. But I, I have not seen a wreck like that. Like, you know, maybe, the, like, even though Austin Dillon went into the catch fence, but the way he got the air was very simple. Like, you know, way Austin Dillon got the air at that race where he literally flipped over two cars, hit the catch fence, like that – that might be the like aerial comparison, but it it was scary. I definitely said holy bleep, like right as it was happening. And you know, the replays and seeing the roof hatch like just come out of the car and the window net and the fact he I, I just was like, let's let's see him get out. And the fact he got out and then like 
he obviously went to the hospital and like everything is pointing positive and you know, I, I don't know if it's the best idea for him to race this weekend, and that's a doctor's decision. That's his decision, and, you know, I I don't know. And, you know, that that's not even at the forefront. But the fact that, you know, safety has come such a far away was evident in that crash and that, you know, racing is still a dangerous sport. Like, they have not, you know, NASCAR has not killed anyone since – you know, no one has died at a NASCAR race since Dale Earnhardt. And the fact that it is gone this while is a really good thing. And NASCAR hopes to not change that. And I think, you know, these moments happen, but NASCAR has been very innovative at taking as much data as possible from the wreck and improving upon it. Because I think they're it, what they've worked hard on not trying to get the car to go up, but it's simple as, you know, the grass, it appears like the, the transition from the grass to pavement kind of gave enough of the air it needed to get under it to flip it. And that's uh, it, it was definitely crazy to see. All right. We got to move to our next topic now. And it is now my turn uh, to present my topic. And um, speaking of someone who, you know, got injured in a wreck in NASCAR had a change with Kurt Busch, obviously getting the concussion last season at a qualifying crash in Pocono, um, unable to. Return this year, resulting in the Tyler Reddick getting to the 45. Uh, so, but uh, as of Saturday, he announced because uh, there's like hope that he could come back and maybe do a one off or a part time schedule, whatever it may be. But he officially announced his retirement from NASCAR. Uh, so, obviously, Kurt Busch, a champion in the sport, uh, you know, is set to be a Hall of Famer. Um, my, my simple question to you guys is what? is Kurt Busch's legacy because I think it's someone who probably is going to be undervalued over time because of his, you know, early onset off track antics, you know, you know, the Kurt Busch antics, the Kurt Busch, you know, you know, whatever it may be. But this is a guy who no matter what team he entered, he made them better and he was a part of a lot of teams but he made them better, and that's a few things you could say about a lot of drivers in the history of NASCAR is that no matter where they won, went to, they they that team took a step up. And I think that's ultimately what his legacy is going to be is that he, no matter where he went, he, he just, you know, he improved racings. I think for me it's just the progression of – how he had this bad boy image. I mean, this is a guy that threatened to kick the living shit out of Bob Pockers at Watkins Glen. I mean, Bob Pockers, for the love of God, everyone loves Bob. And he was so mad at Bob. He was like, I am not afraid to beat the living shit out of you, Bob. He got suspended a race for it. I mean, this is a guy that lost his ride at Penske, um, lost his ride at Roush. And um, he, I mean, he was in the 51 car. He almost won at Sonoma for the love of God. I mean, he did win at Daytona in the Xfinity Series. I mean, the progression from what we saw from him being the hothead, uh, having a massive temper, to then settling down and being a nice, genuine guy. And then he had the time at Stuart Haas racing and then just ev everything then. And then he's becoming the big mentor at 2311. It's crazy to see just how much he was hated to now how much he's loved now. I, I think... I think I know there was I, – I saw the drastic change when it occurred. And I think it was the 2017 Daytona 500 when he won that. 
I remember, so I was volunteering for the Speedway at the time. I was working in the media center. And I remember him coming in. And this was, you know, obviously I still had it in my head that Kurt Busch is like, you know, he's he's kind of an ass. Like, you know, he's just, you know, he he's very mean. He's very loud on the radio. He yells at his own crew members. He's, he gets very frustrated very easily. By the way, I have an interesting uh, story about that Bob Hawker deal. I'll tell, talk about that in a second. But um, he's very rude, you know, and everything like that. But he comes in and he sits on the on the um, the the podium or whatever it is the the de- the desk or the 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 deadline room the press the the press room, and he starts his press conference and he is just he is so delightful, basically charming. I mean, he's so happy. And at first, I thought, okay, well, he just won the Daytona 500. Like, of course, he's happy, right? But it was a little bit more than that. Like, it felt like something had really changed because even when he won races, he wasn't exactly like that. He would still have something to, like, maybe complain about, kind of like his brother. Um, But this was a little bit different. He just kept talking about how he was so blessed and how happy he was and how his life was so great at that moment and how this was like the cherry on top. His Daytona 500 win was the cherry on top. And I think it's because of his new marriage. I think it's because of who he married and this is not the this isn't the secret agent wife. This is, you know, the the <laughs> new wife that came in and he was so happy. And I think I think that's maybe what changed him. I think he finally found happiness in that. And his life just finally seemed complete. I don't want to get too personal, but ever since then, I mean, you got you, Brian, you just mentioned it. He's just been he's been such a charming and nice and funny guy. Like he's so he's always a fun interview. He's always an interesting guy to talk to. And he doesn't get frustrated as easily. And I feel like that's really where it came from was that 2017 Daytona 500. And by the way, spoke to Bob Pockeris about that. He actually brought up that incident this weekend. And he said the hardest line I have ever heard come out of Bob Pockeris's mouth. He goes, he was re, he was recalling that he was recalling that. And he recalled how he talked to NASCAR afterwards and he said, Hey, if you want to suspend Kurt Bush for threatening me, I didn't feel threatened. And that was, that was like the yeah. coolest line I've ever heard from Bob Pockers. Bob Pockers um, is a gangster. He's a gangster. He's, an, he's a G. <laughs> he's an OG. I've never heard uh, something. I'd never think that a line with that like that would come out of Bob Parker. It's like, damn, I didn't know Bob was about to throw hands with Kurt Busch. But, um, but no, I mean, kudos to Kurt. A fantastic career. And he goes off on a great note. I know it's not on his own terms, but he goes off on a great note and just being a fantastic personality in the sport. It's crazy because the wife that you're talking about, Dalton, they just got divorced, right? Like a year and a half ago or something. Yeah, it was. But yeah. but it, it, your point is still 100% true. I could mm-hmm. not agree with it more that that love still changed him. I do think it was that off-track maturity. And I think everyone's made a couple of great points. So I don't want to rehash too much. I want to bring up just a few other small things. He's the inaugural chase champion. And I think people lose sight of that sometimes. First guy ever in this playoff era. And he's going to be the answer to a trivia question for the rest of our lifetimes. But the way he won that championship, if you go Maybe back, he'll be Final Jeopardy you can actually get right. Oh, I hear Myrtle Beach has some other golf terms. So I want to get you a green jacket for Christmas. Oh, actually, teal jacket. That's what the Chanticleers wear at Coastal in Myrtle Beach. Uh-huh. You know, 
whatever. Uh, I I still kill them in regular Jeopardy. I kill them in double Jeopardy. You yeah, know. like James Harden. You you're really good in the regular season, and then you choke in the playoffs. Yeah, but you know what? Sometimes it's just the fun you have along the way. Whatever. Um, get to Homestead. Kurt Busch has the flat tire at Homestead. He could be dead to rights right then. And he had Jimmy Johnson as somebody that was still going for his first championship at the time. I believe Jeff Gordon was the other one that was eligible. So two Hendrick drivers. And then he's able to cover from that tire problem and hang in there and ends up getting enough points to win the championship. I think people forget about that drive. And, you know, you talk about making every team he was with better. You know, he wasn't going to win with James Finch, you know, in that in-between period. But he has won pretty much with almost every team he was with. You know, Furniture Row was not ready to win yet when he was there, but he took them from irrelevancy and set the stage for Martin Truex Jr. to later win a championship with that program. That's the type of development person Kurt Busch was. And, you know, as somebody that was, you know, working every weekend in the NASCAR circuit during Kurt Busch's prime, he wasn't like a Tony Stewart to me. Tony, there were some times where Tony got moody and there was nothing you were going to be able to do to break through to Tony. You had to kind of crack this safe cracker code in order to maybe get Tony to answer a question when he was in a certain mood. And even then, you weren't going to get what you were what you were after. I think for Kurt, I think he just needed to learn how to communicate. I think that sometimes he just really didn't know how to handle his emotions. And it wasn't necessarily like he was moody. He would just react to something instantaneously and then have like these outbursts that I think he needed to get under control. And once he learned that, I think he, you know, had this amazing Renaissance story, right. As somebody that was all but written off was maybe in a Noah Gragson type position in 2011. I think that's the closest for today that I could think of and has worked all the way back. And so I think it's a great story and he should be a Hall of Famer and will be. But the other thing I want to say is this, and it ties into what I want to say about the priest thing before we change topics. After the priest race at rec, I was really surprised on my Twitter feed. I had a ton of people go, man, it's unbelievable. I don't understand it. Like, it, like these guys, because I reported something about, you know, the 41 radio. Um, and I'm going to tie this back to Kurt Busch and tie this all up. And 41 radio was like, we need to get the cars, uh, keep the cars on the ground. Somebody's going to get killed. And somebody says that on the radio. And my reaction on Twitter was unbelievable. It's all these guys like, these guys are wussies. These guys, 80s, 90s drivers, they wouldn't even be able to make it. Dale Earnhardt would have punched them in the face. I can't believe they would wuss out like that, concerned about safety. Do, do we need to have drivers die? This is a driver in Kurt Busch that, let's not forget, he wrecked at Pocono. He's still not recovered from this concussion 15, 16 months later. Is that what people want to see? Yeah. Like, this is kind of a sucky end to the career, right? Like, and something that maybe we don't talk about enough, like, he is a victim of the early next-gen safety issues because he never got his career going again. And I think that's worth saying, right? So just just a few of my thoughts on on this guy. And, you know, w- one of the better drivers of our era, and I absolutely agree with what's been said, completely undervalued and under you know somebody that that deserves more credit yeah i i think that's a that's a good way to sum it up i always thought maybe the most underrated guy but i think uh someone who needs uh more credit and hopefully gets it as time goes on i know you i listen to what denny said about him 
and he raved about how much he's helped with 2311 and, and Toyota as a general. So, and he's going to stick with uh, Toyota. I hope he does uh, the broadcast booth as well. Like he was really good there as well. So it's time to move on to our YouTube portion of our show, youtube.com backslash front stretch in its playoffs. Yes. We're talking about the playoffs, uh, playoff prediction time. So first I'm going to pull up uh, since he's not here. Michael Massey's bracket for you. Uh, As you can see, he simply put, as I uh, pull up what he said, uh, he has, as I bring Brian Nolan back into the conversation, uh, my name's Trey Lyle. Uh, We have Tom Bowles, we have Dalton Hopkins, and then we have Brian Nolan with us for our YouTube portion. We're giving our playoff predictions. First four out uh, in the first round are Harvick, Blaney, Bubba, and Stenhouse. The next four out are McDowell, Bell, Logano, and Chastain. For the round of eight, we have Kislowski, Larson, Bush, Reddick, and his championship four are Chris Buescher, Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr., William Byron, with good old Denny Hamlin capturing his first championship. Okay, that is Massey. So at M underscore Massey22 if you want to react to that. Moving on now is Mr. Brian Nolan, your bracket. All right. Break it down for us. I, I think I, I think I will. Um, we're going to start in Darlington, um, Kansas, Bristol for the first round. Um, I think we're going to, the first round exits are going to be maybe a little bit of a surprise. I think Tyler Reddick, uh, he's just been a little bit off lately. I think the 45 team is going to struggle. Um, and I think they're going to get eliminated. I got Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Great season, but unfortunately he's going to get eliminated. Likewise, Michael McDowell, um, fantastic season for the 34 team. Um, and then I'm going to go with big ups. I don't think Ryan Blaney is going to get out of the round of uh, 16 uh, to advance to the round of 12. I just think um, just too much um, for him. I haven't seen, I haven't seen enough for him. Heading on to the round of 12 with Texas, Talladega, and Charlotte. Um, this got two big wild cards. I think anything can happen, and I think we're going to have um, – th- there could be a big, massive um, shock. I'm not going to project that, but um, I have Harvick getting eliminated and his quest for another title uh, ends in his final season. Joe Logano, the defending champion, he's going to be eliminated. Um, no more rot. No more wall riding for Ross Chastain. Doesn't even get the chance to. He's going to get eliminated. And then a fantastic season for Brad Keselowski. I do not think he is going to get it. Um, But I do think his teammate is going to win the Charlotte Roval. That being said, let's move on to round number three. This is the the trickiest round because you got three totally different tracks in in Homestead, Vegas, and then Martinsville where at least three of these four guys could win. Um, but unfortunately I'm going to have to um, take Bubba Wallace. He's going to get eliminated. Kyle Busch, great season. His first season with RCR. He's going to get eliminated. Christopher Bell. This was the trickiest one that I had. Um, I, I, I just, I can't put Bell in there yet. And then Kyle Larson in, in a little bit of a shocker. Um, I, I have him getting eliminated. So, and, and I didn't even think of this five weeks ago, but I'm going to put Chris Buescher. He's won three out of the last five. He's going to be in my final four. William Byron's in my final four. And then uh, Martin Truex Jr., the, the best um, driver of the entire season, regular season champion. He's going to be in my final four. And then Denny Hamlin um, is going to be in my final four. I think it's going to come down to JGR. It's going to be JGR versus JGR. Battle, 10 laps to go, maybe a late race restart. Maybe, let's say, Ty Dillon or, or uh, Eric Jones, they get into the wall. So we get, so we get a late caution. It's Martin Truex Jr. It's Denny Hamlin. They're side-by-side side going 
battling it out, and Truex takes it barely with about three to four laps to go and wins his second championship. Martin Truex Jr., your 2023 NASCAR Cup Series champion. That is who Mr. Brian Dimothy Dale Nolan has as his champion. All right, there we go. Um, any thoughts on it? Everyone like it, dislike it in the middle? I'm the only one who knows who everyone's pick is, by the way. So this is fun. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's interesting what Brian said at the end there in the championship four, thinking that it's going to be JGR versus JGR. Uh, you'll see my bracket. I don't know if I'm going next, but you'll see my bracket here soon. And uh, I've got a little bit of a different, uh, a little bit of a different view on that, but um, the rest of it, it's mine's a little different, but the rest of it is, I think, I think there there are some good variables here that he's got. I think it's kind of interesting that he's got Bubba Wallace going all the way to the round of eight. Um, yeah, and he said there wasn't an upset. Yeah. I, I also think it's interesting you said you think Chris Bush is going to win at the roll. Why do you think that? I mean, he's an ama- he's amazing at road courses. Are, wh- have you not watched a road course in the past year and a half? Yeah, and he hasn't won any of them. Yeah, but he's oh. got like a top tens in the, like, the last 12 road course races. Not a win. Yeah. Well, I and don't this care. is where I'm split because two months ago, I don't think half the NASCAR fan base could pick Chris Busher out of a lineup. And now everybody thinks he's going to be the champion. Now, look, he's on a roll and I could definitely see it happening in one like choose your own adventure. But I do think it's a little bit of a stretch. All of a sudden, everybody's like, he's going to be in the championship four. This guy went two for his first 278 cup starts for victory lane. I don't know. Like he doesn't have a ton of playoff experience. You know, and, you know, just to make it through each individual round, it's so unique in this system. I don't know. Well, we'll, we'll you can hold your Chris Buescher thoughts on in a moment. But we'll, we'll, speaking of your thoughts about the playoffs, Tom, the floor is yours. Here is your picks for the championship. All right. I'm going to go a little bit faster than Brian Nolan, especially since Brian Nolan feels like he needs to leave soon. Uh, so... First round, I think my big upsets, I also had Blaney not making it to the round of 12, but Ross Chastain, I just think Ross Chastain, for whatever reason, you know, ever since the Hendrick talking to, I know he came back and he won Nashville, ever since he's gone nine races without a top five finish, something is off a track house. Daniel Suarez didn't make the playoffs, so he's my big upset to not make the round of 12. Uh, and I think Blaney honestly is not that big of a surprise at this point. He doesn't have a lot of playoff success has never made a championship four. So, you know, I don't have him making it through. I don't have McDowell making it through. I do have Stenhouse making it through. Uh, I think that the 47 team has run a lot better than people realize. I think that he's got a racetrack or two that he can excel at. I know he doesn't have the best track record at Darlington, but I don't know. I think the 47 team has, it surpassed expectations all year. You know, you move ahead to the round of eight, and I don't think any real big surprises. I think people want Logano out early. I think as the reigning champion, Joey always finds a way to slip through, even when his team doesn't have the speed as Penske's been a step behind all year. And I think if you look at the round of eight, you have to have the 200 guys in there and Larson and Byron. They've been so good. The two JGR guys and Hamlin and Truex Jr., and, you know, it's who can unseat them for the championship four. I look at the other four guys on this list. Reddick, there isn't necessarily a road course uh, in the final three races before the championship four. I know he's really good at Homestead, 
but I just don't know if the 45 has the speed to get ahead of the other two Toyotas and other guys like Larson that are also really good at a place like Homestead. Kyle Busch, I think he's had a good year, but I don't think they're great yet, and I think he's the first one that would tell you that. Chris Buescher, I already told you about what I feel about him, and Logano just hasn't quite had the speed to slip into the championship four. He's an every-other-year type of guy. So that we get to the championship four, Truex has knocked on the door so many times since 2017. I feel like this is a little bit of a storybook season for him. Everybody thinks he's going to retire, ends up going one more year, really was the top seed, tied for the top seed with Byron, has had the speed that I think will carry over to Phoenix, and he's a champion. Yeah, Tom, you're not going to like my championship pick. Yeah, I was going to say, someone who feels the opposite of uh, Chris Buescher is Dalton Hopkins, as I show his now. Wow. I'll explain why. I'll explain why. Um, wow. I, I'm not I'm not just spitballing. I'm not going off recency bias. I think there's a legitimate reason why he's going to be yeah, – but I'll get there. I'll get there. So, wow. let's go in the round of 16 first. So – I think the round of 16 is going to be pretty difficult for the Fords. Um, I think uh, Bristol is probably going to be their only saving grace. And more specifically, that's going to be RFK saving grace. So I don't think they're going to have any trouble there. Um, I think I agree with everybody so far, except for Tom. Ricky Stenhouse, I think he, I think, again, I agree. He's had a great year. I think he's out early though. Um, this is a, this is against the best 16 teams. And I think he's just like right there at like number 16 slash 15. I think they've had a great year. Uh, they've improved a lot, but they're not quite ready to move on to the round of 12 yet. Um, then I have Michael McDowell out as well. Uh, again, great year for them. Super happy to see FRM improving. Um, but there's no road courses in the first round, so I don't really see how he can actually uh, make it a little bit further. I think he's he's pretty good at Darlington, but that's not going to be enough. He's going to need to like actually win races. And then I have a couple of, of uh, upsets here. So... First off, let's go with Ross Chastain. I agree with Tom on that one. I don't, he just hasn't had, he just hasn't been performing this year. I think Nashville was like just such a weird exception. And then he won that race. And then the rest of the year, he's just kind of, eh, you know, he, he just kind of fell off a little bit ever since I think it was Darlington was the last time he really was involved in some kind of controversy. Um, and he was running up front at Darlington. But again, that was when Ross Chastain kind of, you know, that's when he was, Ross Chastain and that that aggressiveness has kind of gone away a little bit um and I don't see him really performing that well in the first round uh he just he needs to get better before I see him moving on to the round of 12 and then I have Joey Logano getting uh eliminated I know Tom you had him you had him moving on um and I you're and I thought about that I agreed for a second there I thought Joey might move on uh because they just find a way to um I don't see it happening in the first round because there's not really a track here that I actually see him performing very well at he didn't do really great at any of them at the beginning of the year somewhat a little bit at darlington um but he's just not i don't think that team is quite there i don't think any of pinsky is there so we're going to the round of 12 i think kyle bush gets eliminated because i mean aside from talladega i just he hasn't been that great either recently except for maybe gateway but then again this is kyle bush we're talking about but i just he hasn't really been part of the story recently I think Christopher Bell gets eliminated. I know there's the Roble, but I think the round of 12 is going to be a round that the Toyotas are really going to suffer. And that's why my other two or my other one is going to be Bubba Wallace. I think he gets eliminated. I think Texas is going to be difficult for him. Talladega is going to take out. It's probably not going to end too well for him. I know he's a great super speedway racer, but um, I think that's where he got his first win. But that was a rain delay. And I think that Bubba is, you know, he, he's good. I think he's good enough to make it past the round of 16, but I don't see him. Uh, doing great at the Roval either. 
And then I've got Kyle Larson getting eliminated. Kyle is really not good at any of these three tracks. I know he's got success at Texas, but that's about it. Uh, I don't see him winning at Texas. I think that's going to be his only saving grace. I think he's he's not good at Talladega. He's not a good. He's not a great. Uh, he's not great at the at, at the role, but at least in the next gen car. Um, that's where he suffered last year. I, I think Kyle Larson gets eliminated. Not to mention, he's not as good. He's not as high up as I am comfortable with Kyle Larson being. I think that's going to be the upset there, uh, and that's mostly because. I think some other guys are going to win uh, at the Roval, and that's not that doesn't include Kyle Larson. And then we get to the round of eight. So I think Kevin Harvick this is as far as Kevin Harvick goes. Uh, I don't really see him performing at any of the tracks. Maybe Martinsville he does well at, but I don't think he's going to need to win. Uh, I think he's going to need to win at that point. Not to mention he doesn't have the points either. He's going to need to like actually be much better than the rest of the field. I don't see him being that much better than the rest of the field. He's been good this year but not that good, not like 2018 or 2019 or 2021, 2020 Kevin Harvick good. Um, and then you have Brad Keselowski. I think uh, Brad is good at Talladega. I think that's what's going to be a saving grace is. I don't see him moving past uh, Vegas, Homestead, or Martinsville. I think he'll be good in Martinsville again, but I don't think he's going to get the win there. Uh, I think Tyler Reddick's going to get eliminated. I need Tyler Reddick. I, I know he's good at Homestead again, but again – I don't see him quite winning there right now, just based off how this team has been performing for the last couple of, for the last few months. Uh, they just haven't been really on it. They haven't been in the top, top five, really. They haven't been uh, leading a whole lot of laps. And I got Ryan Blaney being eliminated as well. Um, he's honestly, none of those tracks are really that good for him. I know he's, he's not great at Martinsville. I mean, he's okay, but I don't see him winning there either. Um, and then you have the championship four, which by the way, those first three guys have been the same for all of us so far, including Michael Massey. So, um, not surprising to see Byron, Shrex and Hamlin in. I think they're so far ahead. They were so good this year. I've got Busher in there and here comes my theory. So Busher. So earlier this, so last year at Richmond raceway, I mentioned this in a previous episode, Richmond raceway, Joey Logano led the most laps at Richmond. And he was basically sleeping for the rest of the year. He didn't win at Richmond, uh, but he was sleeping for the rest of the year, led the most laps, and then he ended up coming out of nowhere and winning at Phoenix and winning the championship. At Phoenix earlier this year, William Byron, uh, William Byron and Kyle Larson lead, lead you know, the combined most laps, and then they go to Richmond later on that year, and then they still kick ass. They, they do incredible. And then later on, they go back again in the summer – and Chris Buescher and Brad Keselowski, the RFK cars, are suddenly dominant there. They lead the most laps there combined, 201 laps out of 400 led. I think the RFK cars are good at Richmond, and I think that makes them good at Phoenix as well. I have a theory that there is a correlation between Richmond and Phoenix, and that's why I think Buescher, when it comes down to Phoenix, I know Brian just left, but this is what is going to – this is my this is my counter uh, my counteract against his theory. I don't think it's going to be against the JGR cars – I think it's going to be Byron and Busher fighting for the win. And I really contemplated for like 30 minutes looking at my phone, wondering who I wanted to win the championship out of those four drivers on my toilet for like 30 minutes. And I, 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 I was thinking Byron, but then I thought Busher was the best most recently at Richmond. I think the RFK cars are on such a roll right now. And they're so good at, at a variety of racetracks. 
I like Busher standing at the moment. I think they've got the most momentum. I know it's people can call it recency bias, what have you, but there's no doubt in my mind the RFK cars have done nothing but improve, 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 improve. And that means not only is that team, that team isn't just successful, they're improving. They're building upon their success, and now they're winning races, and they're only, I think, going to get better from here on out. I think Chris Busher beats William Byron in the late race battle for the championship. Chris Busher wins the championship. Big, big upset. And the in the 30,000 people in Prosper, Texas, suddenly go wild. End of I rant. Wanna, listen, I think your theory is sound. I think it's going to go one of two ways. It's either going to go my way or your way. I just want to throw some things out to you. This is what Chris Busher's, Chris Busher's championship standings have been every year. Mm-hmm. 16th, 25th, 24th, 21st, 19th. 21st mm-hmm. and we're saying uh, there are a lot of very smart people just like you who are picking this guy we're saying he's just going to suddenly leapfrog out of nowhere and win the championship when people didn't even know who he was i think he was the most anonymous mid-tier driver in the cup garage two months ago and it's an incredible story if it happens it's just it's still a little bit too much of a stretch for me we've seen guys come out of the woodwork before We've seen it happen. Tony Stewart didn't have any wins when he won in 2011. Yeah, but he had the street cred. He I did have the street, street cred. He was also Tony Stewart. Well, and this is Chris Busher, who nobody is arguing against that has a lot of talent. He's he's I'm not I'm not betting and let me let me clarify. I'm not betting on Chris Busher. I'm betting on RFK racing. Honestly, I actually wanted to put Keslowski in the final four too. But there's no doubt in my mind that RFK racing, the track setup. For RFK Racing works for them. I, I think there are tracks in each round that they've been good at this year, or uh, track types they've been good at this year. And I think Phoenix is going to be one of them. If they get a car in the final four, I think they have an actually legitimate shot at winning it. I really do. I mean, no, no everyone counted off Logano last year, and then he somehow made the final four by winning at Vegas. And he just stomped the field at, at Phoenix. I think the Fords are better than we think they are when it comes to that racetrack. All right. Well, these are all great and all. Like, y'all did a good job. But time to see actually how it's going to play out. The correct version done by me. This is the actual version. Like, I went into the future. I went to Phoenix. I saw it. I took a picture of it. I went, you know, all like Marty McFly and back to the future. Got the sports almanac. So the first four out, it's the exact same as Dalton. I have Chastain, Logano, McDowell, and Stenhouse. I feel like I know you have them advancing. It feels like McDowell and Stenhouse are going to be the two odd men out, and it's going to be a battle of 14 for 12 spots, uh, it, it feels like at least. Uh, I I just do not like Penske, especially this last stretch. It feels like they just don't have the consistent speed good enough. Um, and, and for Ross, I just I haven't seen it since since Darlington. And weird things happen in this round, and upsets do happen. And teams, you know, typically someone below the cut line going in, or at least even two below the cut line, get in and two above get out. And that's kind of my logic there. Moving to the round of twelve, uh, this is where I have Kevin Harvick ending his legendary run. I have Bubba out as well. Um, I. I just, you know, I think I have, I have, this is where I have Chris Busher. I think more 
I always lean on experience when it comes to playoffs. And I think I'm going with the experience uh, of, of who's left. And I know for sure, like it was kind of between Busher and Bell for that, you know, that last spot remaining, it, it kind of felt like, and I've seen Bell win a must win race. I haven't seen Chris Busher do it. Um, Kyle Busch too inconsistent. I, um, you know, I, I think his highs have been good, but his lows have been bad. And I just, I don't see it there. Uh, moving the championship four. this has been my championship four for a while now. Byron, Truex, Hamlin, Larson. Uh, I think they four like Larson. If you look at the stats out, he's just had some bad luck Has consistently ran up front. Um, and I, I'm always going to bet on Kyle Larson. And I agree with Massey. I think good old Dennis Hamlin, Denny Hamlin, will bring a championship back to the 804 and finally become a champion. And then basically no one can tarnit, like no one can take a shot at him because he'll have 50 plus wins and a championship and, you know, go in a place where he belongs as one of the all time greats, which he is already. So that's actually how it's going to happen. Y'all did a good job with the exercise. I was proud of you, but this is actually how it's going to happen. And, uh, there you go. So that will do it for this episode. Oh, any any thoughts before uh, I wrap up? The Toyotas well, aren't I mean, good at you Phoenix. You just didn't even want us to comment. Yeah. The Toyotas aren't good at Phoenix. They aren't. Not this year. We'll have to wait and see. I told you I was going to happen. Well, uh, at the Brian Nolan, he had to bounce early. So uh, follow him there. If you want to attack Massey for his hatred of Chase Elliott, at M underscore Massey 22. Um. Tom, you got anything you want to plug at NASCAR Bowls before we before we uh, get on out of here? I have a CBS Sports article up right now about Bubba Wallace and his journey into the playoffs. Did you notice this week runs on Wednesdays? And don't forget all our other podcasts on the Front Stretch Podcast Network, but you do a good job of doing that, so I'm going to leave that to you. Yes, that came out. So this comes out Wednesday, so this that will come out today. Um, and uh, Dalton at Pit Lane LT. Uh, anything you want to plug? Uh, if fans see him at, at Darlington, make sure you say, hey, what's up? Um, uh, but anything you want to plug before we get on out of here? Yeah, check out our YouTube coverage from Darlington. Um, you can also check out Thinking Out Loud. I put it out um, two nights ago. Yeah, two nights ago? Was, yeah. No, I'm sorry. Last night I put out Thinking Out Loud, and it was uh, – Sunday just, night. Yeah, Sunday night. I forgot when this thing's coming out. Um, it come, comes out it comes Sunday out night. Wednesday. And, yeah, uh, put out a Thinking Out Loud article. I put it out every Sunday night um, on the Cup Series race, just kind of like me ranting and raving about the Cup Series race and some of the events that occurred there. And uh, you can give me a follow on Twitter. It's at PitLaneLT. Um, that's at P-I-T-L-A-N-E-L-T. Go ahead and give me a follow if you want to see some of my fantastic content whenever I use Twitter. No Dalton Stack Corner this week. We saved that for his Twitter account at PitLaneLT. You can follow me at Trey Lyle VT, T-R-E-Y-L-Y-L-E-V-T. Uh, week one of the college football, so go Hokies. Um, uh, as always, uh, I just host podcasts and I edit podcasts. That's all I do. So I host this podcast. I edit Bringing the Heat with Brian Nolan. That's coming out tomorrow on Thursday, so make sure you tune into that as well. All of our podcasts across the podcast network. Leave us that five-star review. Please leave us a five-star review and give us your thoughts. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Happy Hour Podcast.